pokes it away, and it's off of Alex wheeling in. How did that happen? The New York man is at a Nashville state of mind tonight in the nation's capital. Alex Wheel's second goal in as many matches, not enough to propel Nashville to a third straight win. His goal against D.C. courtesy of Will Bowling of 104.5 The Zone. Hey, I know him. Nashville draws in D.C. after conceding late. This is Club and Country, the podcast of record for Nashville SC coverage from the two people who've covered the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines. Tim, I nailed it that time after botching last week on West Bowling. (laughs) And I'm Tim Sullivan, the proprietor of ClubCountryUSA.com. Tim, back from the beach. How was your getaway by the sand? Uh, it was good, man. I still am like shaking sand out of my hair, but I'm sure we'll be good. Uh, I think I guess shaking sand out of what's left of my hair, I should say. <laughs> Did I see correctly as well that you're wearing a West Ham shirt today? Yeah, I sure am. They're We're fighting on the way plane on the way down and on the way back. So West yeah. Ham Nashville, even better. They are uh on the cusp now of surviving after Leicester struggling as we talk right now against Liverpool so congratulations to you and to West Ham I know you've been losing a lot of sleep over that thank you I'd like to to thank everyone who helped us get to this point uh I couldn't have done it without y'all <laughs> uh it's a busy and important match week for Nashville SC now as the boys and gold are third in the table they host sixth place inter Miami Wednesday 12th place Charlotte now on Saturday a couple of southeastern teams well one southeastern team and one Florida team uh, taking on the boys in gold and uh, a chance for some points here for sure for a Nashville team that's unbeaten in six. Yeah. And this is a weekend where you look at it and perhaps you, you circle it and you say before the season, these are two teams that are kind of rivals. Uh, Miami is uh, Nashville's expansion twin. Charlotte is a team that has a little bit of geographic proximity. And of course, Nashville's trip to Charlotte last year went horribly. So that kind of yes. underscored the, uh, the rivalry factor there, but, then when you look at where they are right now in the table, uh, you look at it and say this is an opportunity for Nashville to to make some some moves. Uh, probably not move up the table, but certainly hold some ground and, and hopefully open up a little bit of a gap beneath it themselves. Nashville 4-1 losers at Charlotte last year. The XG did not tell the story in that no. one. It was basically an empty netter at the end, I think, Yeah, <laughs> to make it the fourth goal. A, a terrible first ever match against Charlotte. Surely... Things will be better Saturday. The question, of course, is how much better. The funny thing, though, Tim, is that Miami and Charlotte, they're separated by six places and tied on points. <laughs> More than half of the Eastern Conference <laughs> on 14 or 15 points. Of course, it's always a log jam this early, especially in this league, but especially so this year. Meanwhile, Nashville, just a step ahead of that with a chance to enter the top tier. New England and Cincy, first place right now with 24 points uh, for each of them. So five points ahead of the boys in gold. Fair to say that anything fewer than four points this week is a disappointment? Um, I mean, Charlotte's been really bad this year, but we've also seen that anything is possible. This is a league where, um, especially when you go on the road, it, it can be a little tricky, but, um, you know, any game is, is there are no Liverpool versus uh, Southampton sorts of games here. So it is a situation where uh, you might look at it and say trap game if you're using parlance of maybe a different sport. But it's definitely one where Nashville will be looking at it and hoping for two results at the very least. Yeah, it's such a funny league. And once again, I'm going to say I have never bet a cent on this league and I never will. Charlotte goes to <laughs> and, it, and it's not out of any sort of obligation. It's because you love your your pocketbook. I love my pocketbook and my sanity. I like to watch and laugh at these results instead of uh, grasping onto my credit card with everything I have in me to, <laughs> to keep the bookies from taking everything. Charlotte goes to Atlanta 
this past weekend. They win 3-1. This is a Charlotte team that had been listless early in the year. An Atlanta team that was one of the best teams in the league, maybe the best team in the league there for at least a couple of weeks. Now Atlanta's lost four straight. Charlotte gets the win there. And that's the team, of course, that Nashville has to play this coming <laughs> weekend. And Tim, we'll get into the Atlanta piece of that here in just a little bit. But Again, parody is the story of this season so far in this league, as it is a lot of years, but it seems like it's especially rearing its ugly head so far this season. Yeah, I mean, I seem to recall your boy was calling Atlanta a bit of a paper tiger riding the Tialgo Almada hot hot streak. So um, we'll be taking the victory lap for that one. So <laughs> naturally, um, no, but but you look at it and there's never a team that that is so far ahead of the field. Like I just mentioned, there's never a team that's so far ahead of the field or one that's so far behind the field that your fortunes don't flip. And that's why they play 34 games because otherwise we wouldn't, we wouldn't know exactly what these teams were. And and we still don't know what these teams are through 11 match dates, 12 match dates actually in uh, 2023. Twice the fun this week with a double dip of games. And so we'll cover all of it. First though, we'll look back in the early shout as Gary Smith's going to offer his thoughts about the draw in DC and our gold nuggets. The difference so far Small sample size caveat applies here, of course, between home Nashville and road Nashville. What can we learn? And two things you might not know about each of Nashville's next two opponents, Miami and Charlotte. So if you're listening now, post Miami match in midweek, still plenty relevant for you uh, for the weekend festivities as well. In the mailbag, would Walker have made the difference on Saturday between a draw and a win? And uh, how does Alex Wheels goal pit? against other awkward finishes in NSC history, pun courtesy of Logan Elliott, uh, and our optimal squad rotation set up during a congested stretch as Nashville looks forward as well to U.S. Open Cup play in Miami and then a home match on the back end or a match on the back end of that. So a whole lot of soccer. What does that mean for the lineup this week? Uh, outside in, what's wrong in Atlanta? What is happening in the Peachtree State? And then the Rocket City space is actually going to take place in Rocket City this week as Huntsville is going to go home and open Joe Davis Stadium, the renovated version of it, the soccer version of it, in their first ever home match as they earned another two-pointer over the weekend. But first, M.L. Rose. Tim, I will be in attendance at the match Wednesday night. Can't wait. It's been a bit since I've been able to make it out to a match due to my work schedule, and you better believe M.L. Rose is definitely part of the plan. Yeah, I mean, we talk about it every every episode, and we do that for good reason, and it's not just because they pay us to do it. <laughs> it's because... It's because when you spend as long away from it as, as you evidently have, uh, you realize you missed it. It's an important part of our soccer ritual, and it's an important part of our, our local dining ritual as well. And so um, I'm excited for you to be able to get back there. And it's, uh, it's a situation where you look at it and you say, you know, we, we, we pick out like different entrees each week. And you look at it after not going in so long and you say, and everything looks good. I don't know what I'm going to want um, in, in a few days time. So it's, it's, I don't envy that decision that you have to make after a, a long layoff. A uh, friend of the show, actually brother of the show, Will Bowling, who you heard in the open there, uh, now the voice of uh, Nashville SC on radio, reached out. He was listening to the show and he said his squad rotation pick, uh, referring to our discussion last week, the Carnitas Quesadilla. Thought that was a great one that I've not, I've not yet tried. Goes with. The oh, yeah, Mexican I haven't had that either. Oh, that uh, sounds really good though. All right, I'm I'm on it then. 6 p.m., maybe 5 p.m. on Wednesday night, I will be tweeting about my thoughts <laughs> regarding the Carnitas quesadilla. Can't wait to uh, to check that out in midweek. Let's head now to our early shout. A very very challenging game here tonight. Um, this DC group that Wayne and his staff have put together are a extremely competitive bunch, and I would imagine anyone watching the game could 
see from the way that the game ebbed and flowed that there was an awful lot of determination from both groups. Very few opportunities and sights of goal for either team and an awful lot of endeavour in the middle part of the field. And to be perfectly honest, a very, very good point to come away from such a challenging environment. Gary Smith weighs in on the deadlock in the nation's capital. And Tim, I think two things can be true here. Number one, hard and fast rule with, in in my view, no exceptions or maybe very few exceptions. A road draw in this league is never a bad result, ever. It just isn't. Very few, if any, qualifications to that. But a draw can still be disappointing the way it happens. And this one, I think, is as well. Good point, because points on the road in this league are good. But this one was there for the taking. The best defense in MLS just needed to hold off DC for 17 minutes plus stoppage after going ahead, and they couldn't do it. Yeah, I mean, low XG totals notwithstanding, because neither team felt very interested in taking a shot throughout the first half, at least. Nashville really did feel kind of under the gun in terms of possession and who was advancing the ball into the attacking third. So, yes, uh, I mean, they should have won against the run of play, but I do think it it would have been against the run of play, and that was particularly true once they took the lead and and. DC really kind of amped up its uh, efforts to to uh, find the equalizer. So, I mean, in reality, it was a game that played out such that Nashville was kind of lucky um, or would have been lucky, I should say, to steal a victory. The way it finished, it, it, it felt a just result to me. And, and yes, when you get to that, you know, that... Uh, that 72nd minute you're saying, okay, we're, we're in the lead here, maybe uh, in the weirdest possible way to get into the lead, <laughs> but, but we're in the lead here. Yes. From that point forward, it's disappointing to, to settle for the draw, but I think over the course of, of the 90 minutes plus stoppage time, you, you aren't really too upset with the, the, uh, the final result there. Yeah. And as we get into the gold nuggets, I mean, the, the numbers in the attack weren't exactly sexy 0.6 XG for Nashville 0.47 for DC, just six shots uh, for Nashville. That is their second lowest of the season, right behind the Red Bulls draw, which is their first road trip. But I want to get into the difference so far. Again, very, very uh, small, perhaps not representative sample size here. But want to explore the differences in the early going between Nashville away from home and at home. Nashville on the road averaging just 0.7 XG. At home, they're at 1.7. And there's always going to be a difference between uh, home and road quality in this league. The travel is such the, the fixture congestion, at least in this case, too, as you're looking ahead for what's coming uh, some injuries, of course, there for Nashville factoring in perhaps as well. But, but purely comparing home and road at the one-third mark of the season, is that discrepancy in performance between what Nashville's doing at Jodas Park and away from it? Is it outside the standard deviation to you? Are we seeing a team that's subpar on the road? Or is this just kind of the nature of what this league is? Well, first of all, I would like to thank everybody who helped us get to this point, but small sample sizes. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, some of it is some of it is is worth you know exploring a little bit. Some of it is is because of the small sample sizes, whatever. Um, and some of it is just the nature of of the game, and especially this league. Uh, this is a an extremely home happy league, and uh, in, in a way, sad league, I guess you could say as well. Nashville wins the average expected goals battle at home, a one point seven seven to zero point nine three. Um, and away from home, they lose it 0.76 to 0.90 expected goals. So that's a deficit of of 14 hundredths of a of an expected goal on both of those uh, home road splits, according to American Soccer Analysis. When you compare it to the league averages, the home team wins. Uh, uh, I'm using air quotes that people can't see because this is a radio medium. 
Oh, 1.55 to 1.09. So about a, a 0.45 kind of margin in favor of the home team. Nashville is is doing much better than that as a home team and doing much better than that as a road team as well. So some of it really is just the nature of playing on the road in this league. They are worse on offense away from home than the average uh, road team, but they're way better defensively on the road than the average road team. So um yeah, I, they have made a conscious decision and they have done that since the, the first USL year back in 2018 to minimize the the home team's attack when they go on the road. And it has paid off for them more often than not. And I think, yes, the the road attack is a little bit disappointing. But when you look at it in the context of what they are earning uh, as a as a result of being a little bit maybe less progressive on the road, you understand why that's the case. I think we can and should expect the the road attack to to improve and we look at last year kind of as a barometer for this team it was a weird year of course last year with Nashville going on the road eight times to start the season before ever coming home but they averaged pretty well over uh, one expected goal per game away from home uh, last year I think I think we should expect that and, and hope for that if you're a Nashville SC supporter but I think to your point as long as that defense stays above average uh, and significantly so as long as you're keeping pace road defensively with home defense as they are now regarding XG, they're going to be fine because again, as we've talked about before, Mm -hmm. the floor becomes very high for this team. There's less pressure on the attack to, to get the job done. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that the numbers are not sexy, which I think might preclude you from, from ever writing for American soccer analysis. <laughs> but, uh, but also you said uh, the numbers aren't sexy. And then I sat there and listed off like eight numbers. So that's, that's, that's what, you know, what you're getting in terms of analysis and, and reading a, a list of numbers here on the Club of Country podcast presented by MROs. To be fair, if the folks were looking for sex appeal, they wouldn't be listening to our podcast in the first place. Yeah. They'd be watching it. Oh, there you go. Nice turn. And that might have to be our video <laughs> tease this week on Twitter. Hey, guys, check out my hat, by the way. Great tires. Uh, more home road splits for you. The boys in gold averaging two points per match at home. Just one on the road right now. That's a fine equation. 1.5 points per game is going to get you in the playoffs. I know they want to drive that up a little bit, and I think they're going to have to improve that those road results to do it. Uh, four wins at home, just one on the road. But here's the good news. I think... Because again, every team pretty much in the East is on uh, 15 or 14 points, but they don't play a fellow member of the top five in the Eastern Conference for seven road matches. A visit to Cincy in July is the next time they do that. And so I think they have a chance Tim, to pick up points on the road here when you go to a team like Charlotte, who's not clicked this year very much. Toronto, you know, they drew in Nashville, but Toronto looking pretty rough at times. And Montreal, who's starting to find its footing, but is not the Montreal of last year big chances to pick up some points away from home and put themselves in not just a good position, which they're currently in, but a great position. Yeah. Well, you did mention um, just a little while ago, that there are no disappointing road draws in the league. And uh, I think you look at Montreal and you look at Toronto and you see why that is. Montreal is the worst team in the league to start the year. And, and all yeah. of a sudden they're playing really well four straight wins. We saw last year, we saw earlier this season, even that every once in a while, a $30 million blind squirrel uh, of a roster can find a, a good <laughs> result nut for Toronto. But, um, you know, there, there are no guarantees to say the least, but like you say, this is a stretch that you look at. And, um, you know, if you, if you don't look at the stretch and say, okay, we can get some points there. You sure as hell aren't doing that. When you look at Cincinnati down the road, when you look at some of these other top teams down the road and saying, oh yeah, that's where we're going to get all these road points. So this has to be the stretch where Nashville gets it done. And we're going to touch on that with Miami here in a minute too. And the home road splits being uh, varied, but, uh, also you've mentioned blind squirrels, uh, 
I think a squirrel was trying to get into my house yesterday. It, it, it oh, must have been okay. blind. It's crawling up the door frame on the front door. So, of course, great dad fail on Mother's Day. During Mother's Day dinner, <laughs> I open the garage door. I come around and try to scare him. He runs into the garage. And I spent the next 20 minutes trying to get him out of the garage. Um, nice. That's that's my Mother's Day experience. It was great until then. Did you... Uh... Don't leave us in suspense. Did you get him out of there? <laughs> I I think so. I think I'm still in suspense. Uh, I never saw him exit, but I, I uh-huh. like uh, squirrels like nuts, right? I got some cashews out of the pantry. Is that a thing? I don't know. Maybe squirrels don't. Maybe they, they don't like the fat content. Maybe they're high in cholesterol. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Jenny Craig squirrel. <laughs> exactly. But uh, I, it was under the car. I then backed the car out and did not hit anything. And I didn't see it again. So uh, anyway, you mentioned blind squirrel and it brought up that trauma response from my brain from, uh, <laughs> 18 hours ago. So thank you for that. Anyway, you're welcome on to Miami, where I don't know that there are many squirrels because it's too freaking hot. Uh, two facts you probably don't know about Miami. Then we'll give you two about Charlotte. Number one, we talk about home road performance being uh, quite different for a lot of teams. And Inter-Miami, one of those teams for sure. One of the worst road teams in the East. That's significant, of course, because they're coming to Nashville. They've left home five times. They picked up three points total, just two goals, and they happened in one match. Uh, The fewest road goals in the conference. It was, though, the most recent match, and that is their only road win. A win in Columbus 2-1, which kind of funny because Columbus, a team that was brimming with promise early in the season. Yeah, Columbus has has fallen off hard. They're they're on the opposite path of Montreal right now, and maybe they'll meet in the middle somewhere. Um, but uh, there is no question that Miami's capable of earning wins on the road. Um, it's also worth noting that like three or four weeks ago, they were one bad result away from firing their coach. So this is the team that, um, you know, however however much rope Gary Neville has bought himself with uh, it's Phil Gary, whichever one it is, um, <laughs> says bought Phil himself. Neville. Phil Neville. Yeah, I, I I yeah. I would like to make it clear that I realized I misspoken and corrected myself, not didn't actually know which one it was. Um, but either, either way, I mean, he bought himself rope with a, with a, an upset victory. And I think you would, you would be, you know, unwise to call it anything other than an upset, but this is still not a coach that's, that's, you know, firmly planted in his seat for next season. Unless let's see, you know, Messi really likes him and they'll, they'll hold on and hope for that, that keeping him in, in charge uh, is, is the final piece that sways Leo. I'm looking back at our prognostications for what Nashville needed to accomplish. And of course, we both identified Miami as a game that you would expect to win. I put a potential floor of a draw here, but uh, you still feel like this is a game Nashville should expect three points out of? Yeah, they should expect it. But, you know, dealing in probabilities is like, there's like a 70% chance of a problem, uh, 70% chance of a win. And there's still, you know, 20 draw 10 loss expecting a win is still the most likely outcome. It's just not that that doesn't mean it's a guarantee and they really need to approach it with that mindset. More sexy numbers from Tim here. Uh, Miami has won four straight matches in all competitions fueled by a nice stretch of games at home, including open cup, but also by the resurgence of Joseph Martinez, you just knew he was going to show up against his former club if he was healthy, and he did a brace against Atlanta. And then he scored the match winner last weekend against New England. Tim, with with him clicking, with uh, Leo Campana playing well, also up top for this team, how has that striker resurgence made a difference, maybe in what Miami does tactically, but certainly in, in how they're performing? Yeah, I mean, uh, to to quote what Anibal Godoy says about opponents all the time, he is a good player. Um, but yeah, I, from a tactical perspective, I don't think he's changed a whole lot. He's just kind of done it better than Miami has had 
ever in their in their existence i'm not, I'm not I, you know thinking back to elite striker play from them basically at any point he's the same joseph that you know from the atlanta days he wants to run behind on long balls um he's better than you'd expect in the air for for a smaller striker and he's a ruthless finisher that's what he's always done um, the problem is that he's not physically where he was in the early atlanta days and i i don't know for sure but i would guess that the injury that he su- suffered in nissan stadium in the very first nashville c game has has been you know kind of the the dividing point between old joseph and new joseph he had a couple good years with atlanta after that but still this is a guy who is a really good player but he's not the joseph martinez of of those incredible atlanta teams where he was teaming up with miguel Almiron, to say the least and i think most folks are rooting for him to get back to some semblance of that just maybe not uh on wednesday interestingly this will be his first a trip back to Nashville since injuring himself in that debut match uh, for, for Nashville SC in club history. He has played against Nashville twice at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, both the uh, starts, no goals, though, ever against the boys in gold. So uh, Nashville fans, of course, hoping that will continue. Moving on to Charlotte. Charlotte, the second worst home team in the East, just two wins in six. Again, at the early juncture with all the qualifiers that come with that. And their nine home concessions tied for worst in the Eastern Conference. And they allowed two to an NYC team that's flat out bad on the road, two to Colorado, three to Atlanta, all at the Panthers Stadium. It seems like, based on those numbers, Nashville's going to have some chances to attack on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I, I railed all of last year that this team uh, looked better on the on the table than they did on the field, and and I uh, am obviously bringing that up because I was proven correct, and so you know that I'm I'm going to bring it up. Um, the, the issue for them is that they basically thought, okay, that that's, that's pretty much good enough, and then uh, we'll also sell Daniel Rios, former Nashville SC player, uh, back to Chivas, which is uh, where he you know, began his career basically Um, on the defensive side of things, obviously the untimely death of center back Anton walks, not only hurts on the field, but it's a huge emotional drain on a team that, that he was one of the most popular guys on. And it, it it truly sucks that, that, um, you know, for reasons far beyond on the field, but from an on-field perspective, they have not been settled back there. They have not figured out what they're going to do with, without a guy that they were planning on being an important part of their rotation. And so, like you mentioned, Nashville should have opportunities to exploit a defense that isn't quite where it's expected to be, quite where certainly where Charlotte would want it to be. So it is definitely something that, you know, not only playing with heavy hearts, but there is an on-field impact as well. And that's, um, you know, I don't, it, it feels crass to say teams can take advantage of it, but the, the reality is that Charlotte doesn't have the level of talent back there that they were expecting to entering the year. Big time opportunity for the boys in gold. Um and yeah, uh, you know, those reasons notwithstanding, certainly uh, something that Nashville hope to uh, to leverage. Uh, Charlotte will be coming off a home date with Chicago in the midweek. But as we record this, they're coming off one of the biggest results in club history. Tim, we mentioned it at the outset of the show, a 3-1 win in Atlanta, their first ever win over the five stripes, who uh, obviously, you know, they really want to be rivals with and MLS really wants them to be rivals with. And, and they took a step forward in that in that rivalry. There was a red card in it as well. The big story, though, I think, Tim, was Justin Miram's breaks, a special moment for the former Atlanta player who joined Charlotte from Salt Lake. He did not celebrate uh, after either of those goals, and he came out afterward and spoke very highly of his time in Atlanta and, and the formative moment in his career uh, in which he he played uh, down in the Peachtree State. It was cool to see that uh, from a guy who has a cool personal and professional story. Yeah, I think the formative moment of his career was when he played with our beloved Michigan Wolverines for for a few years there. But uh, yeah, sure, his time in Atlanta was great too. But um, 
Yeah, I, I, Miriam, one vote short of being the MLS player of the match date for match date 12. Um, Hani Mukhtar can, can commiserate with him in being one one vote <laughs> short a couple weeks ago. Yeah. But um, he's a guy who who kind of fits the, the journeyman uh, uh, moniker to a T. Uh, maybe Dax should have him on his new podcast, MLS Journeyman. Oh, check perfect. it out. But um, yeah, he, this is a guy who has... who just kind of embodies what it is to be somebody who understands MLS and, and can be a utility player for basically any team. And I think um, it's unlikely that he's going to score a whole lot of races this year. So, so he, he wouldn't necessarily be the one guy I look out for um, this weekend, but he is definitely somebody that, um, you know, an emotional connection to uh, as well from, from uh, his time shortly after I graduated from college, I believe actually, but um, I'm looking forward to seeing that and, uh yeah i th- I, th- I i don't think it's he's he's gonna be the number one guy to look out for this weekend but it's definitely a big storyline to continue to follow no definitely went sentimental there over practical with yeah. uh, with the mention yeah. of him but uh certainly led his team to a massive win after a somewhat dismal start to the season charlotte has a chance now they're gonna be expecting to pick up some points going to chicago who uh actually looked pretty solid against st louis post ezra hendrickson uh, and then hosting Nashville on Saturday. Uh, before we get to the yeah, mailbag, poor, poor Ezra Hendrickson. He gets fired, and then his team gets to play St. Louis the the very next game. Yeah, uh, he weird. they missed an opportunity to let him look good. Uh, seriously, uh, Emil Rose, Tim. We've talked about the locations. We've not really ever talked about the uh, the digital location uh, of Emil Rose, and that is a great Instagram account at, at underscore Emil Rose. Twitter as well. Uh, you've seen us tweet them many times. Anytime we tweet about the show, we're putting them down there. But I want to I want to flag that that it's a great place to go learn about the restaurant. Whether you've got the uh, the May Burger of the Month listed, which they currently have a glorious picture from seven hours ago in their story with the, the Thick Boy that we mentioned last week. Uh, recommended beer pairings. Um, there was a feature story actually in the Tennessean written about them in recent days. Um, the beer council that they have to to choose the tap list. And uh, it, it shows both that article and the account itself show the thoughtfulness with which Emil Rose enters the space, whether it's sharing their message with with their their folks or whether it's deciding what, what that message is going to be or what the product is going to be. Uh, I know you're a follower. I am too. Great place to go check them out. Yeah, absolutely. And I will uh, I will pull back the curtain a little bit here and admit that often when we start talking about the menu, I have to to give myself a little refresher if it's so I can bring up something instead of bringing up the same things every single week. Um, and uh, I, I go to their website not only for that, but to you know confirm their happy hour specials, which are outstanding, um, to make sure that I know what is going on at ML Rose so we can shout it out uh, in this space when we when we talk about them. And uh, it's it's a great place if you're like the bad thing is. Uh, another pullback of the curtain is we often film this or record this show in the afternoon and it's like before <laughs> dinner. So I'm really hungry and I'll like read the website. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to have each and every one of these items for dinner. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. It's the, the, the photo uh, representations of, of the food items are also very enticing as well. On there. Yeah. I had cereal for a late breakfast. I ran three miles and it's four Oh four PM. So you better believe I'm lusting after these sweet potato fries. I'm seeing the picture of the thick boy burger, the burrito for brunch, all of it uh, looks great. And you can discover it all uh, on ML Rose's Instagram page. Uh, check it out. Uh, mailbag uh, time now. And Jay Mark starts out by wanting to reflect on the DC match for a second. He said, what happened Saturday? Is it fatigue from playing so many matches close to each other? Bad form for one match, crappy field conditions. The boys just seemed 
off. I'll submit those things are all valid, but I think the main factor here is it was Nashville's first road match in nearly a month. You add to it that their captain slash best defender is unavailable and Walker Zimmerman. DC's playing better soccer these days. They're mediocre. They're not a good team, but they're not as bad as I think they might have shown early in the year. They were down some players, though, and Benteke, Futis going off. But I think, Tim, it just comes down to the fact that Nashville's still finding it's putting away from home, and they're going to look lackluster uh, often early in the season away from home. It's a lackluster night, but not an ex- not an upsetting one. And I think as long as Nashville shows up against Miami at home, we're going to look at this as, all right, this was a 6 out of 10. Yeah. They're capable of better, but it's not a trend. Yeah, I mean, their kids are on scholarship too, right? Uh, we've talked about it multiple times already in this show. It's tough to go on the road in this league. This is not last year's DC team, which was like a, a, a layup for anybody going on the road or hosting them. So it is a situation where, yes, you would have liked to have the team look sharper, but uh, fixture congestion without Walker Zimmerman. Um, Randall Leal was not in the lineup after, after playing in the midweek. They're obviously trying to ease him back in, but that's a player who can give you a little bit more of a punch in is one of the guys who changes what can look like a lackluster team. He's he's maybe not the best player on the team, but he is one guy who is going to add excitement on a night where you look lackluster. You don't have that guy. Um, DC just just managed to take a little bit of an advantage. And and frankly, um, it, it often seemed like neither team was was you know going out there and doing its best. And unfortunately, it was <laughs> it was Nashville that had the chance to to steal a win anyway, and, and just couldn't make it. It was somewhat reminiscent to me of the trip to D.C. two years ago, a scoreless draw that uh, neither team really looks capable of scoring. In this case, of course, both ended up scoring despite uh, a a small amount of chances, we will say. Sean McAnally says, understanding this may be too reductive, but who's to blame for the equalizer? He says, my bias wants to say Anunga, but I don't know enough about tactics to be confident in blaming any one player. I'll tell you what I saw there. Anunga ran into the box a little bit behind the play. Um, and he didn't track he was on his anybody. horse. Yeah. He was he was moving, but he was yeah. moving, I think, you know, with a player kind of on his shoulder, 10 yards away. That's not really on his shoulder, but five yards away that that he wasn't tracking. So he mm-hmm. he ran into the box, but then he got in position just in time to see the ball skirt past him. And the man that I think maybe he should have picked up was the one in good position to shoot. But I think I want to pinpoint also Lucas McNaughton, again, who's been good for Nashville. I think in the moment he's trying to prevent a shot and he's standing his ground if he steps to his man he's preventing probably the square ball that ends up resulting in in the assist of the goal i'm going to submit that if walker were healthy and in the match he would have had just that little extra dose of assertiveness he probably steps up he probably clears that ball denies the entry pass before it can be delivered but i think those are small quibbles i think as you said dc was probably a deserved scorer and and this was a deserved result what you see on that play yeah, I want to take it even back a little bit farther. Obviously, um, Anunga is is to blame for that that final moment. Um, McNaughton probably a little bit to blame there for not stepping out a little quicker. But as you go back to how the ball got into the advanced area in the first place, um, Shaq Moore steps up. Uh, Sean Davis goes and and steps to the ball carrier, and that leaves Nashville with a, a two on three. That there's a free runner, and the ball is able to serve into that guy. What you need probably there is for for Davis to realize that it's not a position to, to be pressing the ball. But, but if he does, you probably need McNaughton to realize that, okay, we are out, out of balance here. I need to step out and make this play a little bit more aggressively than I would otherwise. And then when he doesn't, um, it, it makes it tough because DC is able to, to make that play relatively quickly. They get the ball into that really advanced area. 
the square ball that you mentioned, Anunga overruns. He actually overruns two DC players who either of them probably could have finished it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is a situation where there were multiple breakdowns. Um, just a really good play by DC. I, I think it was a designed pattern because they knew Davis was going to step up in that position. Again, their their coach is on scholarship too. I guess, <laughs> I guess it would be the, the uh, very tortured version of that metaphor, but it is something that it just happens, and that's why you want to have a, a two-time defender of the year in the lineup so he can cover for mistakes. Even if McNaughton technically did what he was supposed to do on the play, Walker Zimmerman kind of has a better understanding for what his teammates might leave a little bit of extra for him mm-hmm. to do on a given play. Yeah, I'm not making McNaughton a, you know the scapegoat here, but only trying to illuminate the difference between a good player and yeah. a, the best defender in the league. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and that's what Nashville's been able to, to take for granted here, I think, for for a long time. Uh, Nashville SC Stats and Logan asking similar questions about the the armpit goal, I think, that might have uh, um, deserved a moniker had Nashville won the match. Um, Nashville SC Stats says, a perfect hat trick is a goal with your right foot, your left foot, and your head. Should we all try for an imperfect hat trick? Right armpit, left armpit, and butt. Yes, he should. Uh, Teal Bunbury, <laughs> you know, had the butt assist. Uh not not too long ago so you know there's this team's working toward that they're, they're going to get there i yeah. promise small sample size but later in the year they're going to get there <laughs> logan is wheels goal the best armpit goal you've ever seen if not who would you hit against him yeah i told you we stole the pun here at the top of the show <laughs> well done logan you've earned yourself the ranking back at the top of the mailbag um next week tim who gets your bowl your your vote uh off offhand if you can think of one for the quirkiest goal scored in nsc history anything come to mind I think Bunbury's uh, bun buns assist is the uh, the most quirky assist. Uh, this is this has got to be the quirkiest goal, right? You, I can't think of anybody yeah. scoring with a with a body part so far removed from where you would typically expect people to score <laughs> score goals. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to give Alex the the leader in the clubhouse for sure uh, in terms of quirkiest goal. You look forward at the the uh, postseason awards if if he maintains. <laughs> uh, I'll go back to USL plays. I'm with you on the MLS side of the equation. In 2019, Nashville played down at Kennesaw State University, playing against Atlanta United's reserve team, and it was one of the worst own goals I've ever seen. The left back, I believe it was, or maybe left center back uh, for Atlanta back, United yeah. two two nine turns around and delivers a rocket of a shot into his own net it was a pass a hard pass to the keeper the keeper was not in position and uh no, the keeper the keeper was where okay i, I knew this is where you're gonna go with it. the keeper is right. where he's supposed to be okay you need to give your teammate a target to pass to that is not in the goal so that if you fumble it it doesn't go into your own goal the player just aimed for the goal instead of for the keeper who's supposed <laughs> he's supposed to be standing outside the frame of his goal in that situation i I'm gonna. I'm speaking way out of turn here because I didn't look it up, but I think it was Rocco Rios Novo who played for Atlanta a little bit last year and has since been traded and is so bad. <laughs> I'm gonna look back at my uh, at my notes and we'll give you guys a tweet because I I've called that match. Uh, waited through the 45 minute rain delay, hanging out with Chris Jones in the press box there, uh, and um, I'll look it up. I'll also look up the score. I can tell you that a red card was earned, a straight red by one George Campbell in that match, and uh, he now starts for Montreal. So he's he's come up a good ways. Uh, so I, I'll go with that goal though, as as the quirkiest ever scored against. Yeah, it was uh, Will, Will Vince scored. Oh, it was not. It was somebody called B Moore. Well, Brendan Moore. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry to you, Brendan Moore, for having a, an embarrassing own goal scored on you. Well, B 
more clear with your teammates as to where the ball should be passed, mm. I guess. Mm. There you go. Uh, Kevin Morrison with a couple of questions here. He says, I'm excited to see Lyle back in the 11. He, he says, I feel the team seemed to get in a good rhythm while he was gone. However, how do you think his return will affect the midfield? And we've touched on this, obviously. This is a topic we talked about a lot last week, but let's go a little deeper, Tim, into the implications of Lyle's return. Yeah, I, I think the big thing is Nashville has gone with that diamond midfield lately. And um, while it is situationally very effective, now that it's no longer a surprise, like DC was not was not thrown off by it at all. I think putting Leal back in the lineup, you have, like we mentioned last week, you have a different style of winger than you have in Fafa Pico or, or Jacob Schaffelberg. And I think a return to a bit more of a 4-2-3-1 or, or as Nashville sometimes plays it, a little bit more like a 4-4-2 with Hani just withdrawn a bit with Leal on one of the wings to provide some, some width and some shooting width too. He's a good crosser. He's a good shooter from distance. I think really gives you some ability out there and that takes some of the heat off Hani and you can put Hani a little bit more back in the middle because you have the numbers to support him wide. You have different styles of players who can support him wide. Something that makes quite a bit of sense to me. Like we saw um, against Dallas in the first half, he can also just play up the tip of the midfield too. So he's a guy who can, you can basically slot in where he already is and you can um, play Hani as the second striker since Hani is mostly played as the 10 with one of those speedy wingers accompanying the strikers as the front two there. So um, it really just gives you more options and more depth. And um, yes, he's a different style of player than what Nashville has available right now, but he can fit into a number of the roles that Nashville has made very clear in the different types of formations that they're able to play that's a dynamite lineup right there especially that front four if, if you do that um so, so you'd have one of Schaff or fafa on on the wing one of leal or fafa on the other wing honey in the middle but kind of as a withdrawn second striker slash number 10 teal bunbury joining him and then davis godoy mccarty you know two of those three with yeah. with your back line that's i mean to me that's that's optimal for this team for sure but you know you have the uh the the diamond in your pocket if you need it. I, I think that's an absolutely good place for this team to be. The diamond up your sleeve if you if you're playing poker and you need to get a fifth diamond for a flush. Or about two. Yeah, see, I know I know poker stuff too. You get everything on this podcast. More more sexy radio here. Or a diamond <laughs> in your pocket if you're gonna propose soon. Uh and uh, Nashville would propose. Uh, doing a little better on corner kicks, and we'll uh, we'll get Kevin's question here. <laughs> Oof, rough segue. The MVP no, is in here. The MVP is in pure form, but I haven't really been a fan of what I've seen from him on certain set pieces. Tough crowd, Kevin, but recently has not been as productive, I guess, there. He says, do you see anyone prime for taking those kicks on the opposition's defensive right side or just a better plan? Just some statistical context, Tim, before we get to your answer. Hani has taken 36 corner kicks, but Dan Lovitz has taken 25, and Lovitz is typically going to take them on the defensive right side if that's you know, as as the left back, you know, it's where he's he's yeah. best on his left foot. If that's what Kevin's referring to by defensive right side, would be the left side of Nashville's attack. But on to Hani's deliveries, Tim. Any deficiencies that you're spotting there, or just luck of the draw that they haven't landed here in the past couple of matches? Yeah. So to be clear, Nashville tries to take in swinging corner kicks. So Lovitz would take them from defensive um, left side. I'm sorry, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're good. Yeah, but um. I, I, yeah, I don't think there's any specific problem with Hani's deliveries lately. I think some of it is is uh, unrealistic expectations. Um, some of it is not having Walker Zimmerman as well. Um, your corner kick service looks a heck of a lot better when you have the best aerial player uh, on corners in the league available to take them. The one thing I will say about about not having Hani take them is that it gives you a shooting option from deep, and that kind of uh, 
uh, I guess foretells who I think could be another option. And Kevin, you got a couple of Randall Layal questions in here. It, it turns out because I think Layal would be a really good option for that. He's obviously got a bit more of a driven style delivery than, than Hani does. But I think when you have both of them on the field, you, you play one as, as one of your deep players. And the other one is the one taking your service from um, that in swinging position. And I, I, I think that um, whether it's something where, you know, Hani's been good, but just unlucky, or if he does need a little bit of a break from it to, to reset, as we saw with penalties a couple of years ago when Randall came in and, and took them. Mm-hmm. I do believe that if you gave Randall Lael a chance, you could, you could have a little bit of a, of a little bit of a stew going there, but you do need uh, Randall healthy in order to have him taking corner kicks, of course. But especially if you need an ins- a, 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 a bullet to the near post and with like you know Dax McCarty being your first man yeah, and then the little it flick up. of the little flick on. Yes. Love yes. that move. You got it, Wes. You say Love you don't know move. the tactics that well. Come on. I don't say that at all, actually. But thank you <laughs> for saying that and giving your opinion uh unintentionally there. Um nice. Okay. Uh I'll uh, recover from that sting. And get to <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you will. I might have just, just ended you, geez. Well, good to hear from a friendly <laughs> voice in Logan to soothe my pain here. Uh, and I'm going to give a little more tactical perspective here. Any predictions he asks on how many changes we can expect starting 11 for a quick turnaround game on Wednesday. Gary Smith is going to view Wednesday and Saturday as a couplet and maybe even adding U.S. Open Cup beyond that as, as you know, a triad here. Uh, and he's going to think with that in mind with that in mind i think you prioritize the stronger lineup at home and you try to to make sure you have what it takes to hold serve against miami and then you can go with maybe a you know a 1b kind of lineup to gut out an ugly result in charlotte but given the depth this team has developed you're not suffering too badly i think if you do that uh, i think you, know, you start fafa in one match randall in the other uh, alex wheel and Schaffelberg perhaps as well kind of have a have a you know one two there uh, one going 60 minutes and 130 or something like that, um, and then switching that. Um, if Walker Zimmerman is ready to go uh, against Miami, I think it's ideal to work him back in with 45 minutes, give him a start, get the legs going, and then have a planned substitution to put McNaughton in there, and then hopefully Walker's ready to go for 90 on the road. I don't want to speak out of turn, obviously not assessing his health right now, but if he is ready, that's the way you can face him in without putting 180 minutes on his legs. Uh, we've seen Taylor Washington come in, especially on the road for Lovitz uh, in congested situations. I could very easily see Lovitz starting Wednesday and Taylor coming in on Saturday. Um, and then you have, of course, two of Davis, Godoy, and Dax in, in midfield. Uh, I think perhaps you start Davis and Godoy, which is probably your strongest uh, your strongest pairing at home. And then you put in Dax on the road alongside Davis. Again, if Sean's ready to go. If not, then on a ball just wears those extra minutes. Uh, but Tim, I think... That's that's where I go with that. Yeah. Generally speaking, though, again, stronger lineup at home, aim for three points, and then put in your guys who can just grit and get the job done. Perhaps get at least a point in Charlotte. Yeah, I think you. I think you go with as strong of a lineup as you possibly can um, ba- on the basis of team health on Wednesday evening. And your preference would be that your very strong lineup looks really good after forty five minutes, and you're you're looking at a two nothing lead or something like that, and you can rotate those guys out a little bit and get something from them on Saturday too. You can't get maximum minutes out of guys if you don't start them on Wednesday, right? So I think you start on Wednesday with the best available lineup you have. If Randall Ayal is is ready to go 45 minutes, he plays. If Walker Zimmerman is ready to go at least 45 minutes, he plays. If they need to go 90, okay, maybe we won't use them on Saturday, but 
you you can't you can't choose to play them for 180 minutes if you don't start them on, on Wednesday. And I think Gary Smith realizes how important these two back to back games are. And um and similarly, you can't get six points if you don't get three on Wednesday. And he realizes that. Yeah, I think that that should absolutely be the perspective. Glad we're in lockstep on that. We'll go outside in. And once again, we're going to go down to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Lindsay playing that ball in behind you. Vian Cross. It's another goal. It's Murray again. Well, that's the pick of the bunch for Charlotte. And their fans are absolutely in dreamland right now. Apple TV brings us Justin Miram's third goal at the Benz in that 3-1. Charlotte went over Atlanta. It was 3-0 until very late in that one. Tim, the five stripes now have lost four straight in all competitions, and uh, it's not exactly an all-star cast of characters. Yes, <laughs> Nashville's in there, but the others, Memphis 901 and U.S. Open Cup play, Miami and Charlotte, and Charlotte, of course, being at home. Now, let's be fair, GG, uh, Giamakis, uh, their DP striker, missed all those matches with injury. Is that the biggest factor here? Because defensively also, they look, to borrow the English term, like rubbish. What's going on three hours to the south? Listen, in, in my preview uh, of the game against Nashville, I said, look, this Atlanta defense has has not been very good. They look a little bit better just on the basis of luck, but their goalkeeping has been very poor without Brad Guzan. Um, I'm also not a huge Brad Guzan guy in the first place, so it wasn't great with him, but it's it's been pretty poor without him. The defense just hasn't been very good over the course of the year. And when you can't outscore people with Giacomacus on the on the field, uh, you not only lose the goals that he can score, but you lose a bit of the confidence that you have that, OK, we can go anywhere and go, you know, bang some heads. And that's how they were. They're acting, how they were carrying themselves and how they were playing early in the year. And it's a situation where. Um, like we talk about a lot, momentum can swing really quickly in this league. So it's it's not a permanent state of affairs that they're playing really poorly. But right now it's it's becoming a long term state of affairs, to say the least. And the Rocket City Space or uh, forgot we'd actually rename that. Thanks to Jarrell, the launch pad. Uh, Huntsville goes ahead in Chicago. but They draw one one. They win the PK shootout. It's three PK wins, which earned them two points apiece and four losses. Still no wins for Jack Collison's group, but good Things to come. Azad Liadi is back after missing some time. Their star striker, Joey Desart, has done enough to earn a couple of U.S. Open Cup appearances for the parent club. He's come on as a sub in both uh, Nashville matches in the Open Cup. And most importantly, Tim, the home opener comes on Friday. A banner day coming up for HCFC and the start of four straight at home. And uh, hopefully they can have better form in this run of home matches than Nashville did when it came home after an extended road trip to start last season. Yeah, I, they have been just hyping up and hyping up and hyping up the arrival at Joe Davis Stadium. And I think if you, you know, you don't have to go back that far to, to, for a little bit of context, how Nashville felt finally opening Geodis Park last year. Um, it maybe didn't provide them the spark they thought it was going to. Obviously, Huntsville's road trip has not gone as well as Nashville's had last year. But that's something that is is able to change if you really feel at home in your stadium. It can provide you an immediate boost. This is a club that's gotten really good home support uh, from, from people who are just watching it in their, in their local pubs. Mm -hmm. um, and once those uh, fans have the opportunity to actually go out and support the team, I think this is a club that is really going to appreciate that. Obviously they've had some bad beats and some bad, uh, you know, settle for draws. Uh, fortunately they have won all three of their penalty kick shootouts, but good sign. It is a situation where you can see that they're closer to being really good than they are to being really bad. And maybe this this home opener is, is something that can really give them the kick they need to take it to another level. 
And this is where we get to enjoy the model that Nashville SC has set up with this club. Most, if not every other, I believe every other uh, club in MLS Next Pro is just a reserve team playing in the same market. Mm -hmm. Nashville's chosen to turn Huntsville into its own entity. And we've not obviously seen that because they've been away from home. So to see thousands of fans uh, in the stands at Joe Davis Stadium this weekend is going to be special. And it's going to start to, it's really the start of of the experiment that that Nashville's trying to to put in place, that they can build a community following around this club that could ultimately then create dedication to uh, to the big club, just two hours up the road. So really excited to get to, to see that. And and also to see strong performance from Nashville SC's Academy. Uh, saw you were tweeting and covering a bit of the U-17s action uh, mm-hmm. at their recent tournament. Some good, really good performances against some good competition in Academy play. Yeah, uh, the the MLS Next Flex tournament, which was to get to get Nashville SC's U-17s into the the postseason proper which they successfully did um they were up to nothing at halftime in, in the game that i was watching live is very few opportunities to watch nashville live on uh the apple tv plus product this year not because they aren't covering academy matches but more because nashville sc's academy has not been one that has been featured so with the opportunity to watch it it was, it was definitely one that i wanted to watch a lot of the usual suspects that we've talked about without seeing a ton of them adem sipic um looking really good um, obviously, uh, we have we have talked a little bit about um, the Joneses. Um, they, they have players at many levels: Malachi Jones, uh, Zion Jones. Uh, the there's a there are a dozen Isaiah. kids in that family. The Jones family yeah. dozen um, is their Instagram account. Check them out. Um, but it was cool to to actually get a chance to see them. You know, seeing pictures, seeing stats, and all the sort of things. Seeing Instagram videos of that the players put out themselves of their highlights. But finally, seeing the whole product and being able to watch 90 minutes of a match is 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 really fun. And this is I, most people know that scouting um, high school age players is what I do professionally. So so it's it's cool to be able to do that in the soccer realm too, especially for a Nashville SC club that um, you know didn't start uh, as an MLS franchise with an academy at all. Really, um, they they took a hiatus after just a few matches um, during the COVID pan the beginning of the COVID pandemic, and so um, now that they're really starting to get going. It is looking really good, um, and that's something that is going to take time. But I, I do believe that the the first Nashville SC homegrown player is already in the system. They are not going to have to wait and sign somebody in the future to to be that very first guy to to go from academy player to first team player, and it's going to be really really cool. I yeah, just did a sw- I just almost did a swear. I was so excited. You can do that, you know. <laughs> that is allowed. No, no. I, I uh, I'll reserve it for a, a more important moment. We'll reserve it for uh, the moment that that happens. The player comes in. He may not be <laughs> yeah, old enough yes. to listen. Then to I'll talk then about I'll him. then I'll say the f word <laughs> on the podcast. He may not be old enough to listen to you say it legally or whatever, <laughs> but uh, we can say it. Uh, final whistle content recommendations. I, I'm going to go with uh, a, a re-rack of what I said a couple weeks ago, which is that the uh, the lower division. Uh, English playoffs are are in full swing, and it's so much fun to watch. There's so much writing on these matches. They're, they're you know literal fortunes writing on uh, on what these teams can do on the pitch. And uh, Sunderland plays Luton tomorrow in the semifinal of the championship in Luton ahead to one. For instance, Middlesbrough and Coventry also involved. If you want to stop there, that's what you at least want to see is is you know who's going to be in the Premier League next year, and and you can kind of feel like you have a little bit of a leg up. Uh, on everybody else and knowing that in addition to Burnley and Sheffield United who have already clinched, but you can go down as far as league two. Uh, I've committed to, to kind of following Bradford city over the last few years because they have an illustrious history. Also a very tragic history. If you look up the history of their ground Valley parade, 
Uh, and they're, as a result, very, a very oversized League 2 team that needs to get back up, and they have a chance to get back up to League 1. Anyway, pure nerddom here. But again, for the sickos among us, there's drama. <laughs> All these games are, are going to be on ESPN+. Plus, and of course, you can extend that to other leagues around the world as well, these relegation or promotion playoffs, depending on where you are. But uh, at the very least, check out the championship. Uh, so, so Tuesday, 2 p.m. Central Time. Wednesday, same time. Uh, two really good matches. Uh, I will choose that over Champions League semifinal, and there's not going to be a question. I'll get the I'll get the goal notifications yeah. on for Man City and Real Madrid. I'm a little mad at Man City right now, uh, anyway, <laughs> and I don't like Madrid. So it's going to be Championship uh, semifinal playoff for me. Of course, the winners of those two matches are going to go to Wembley, and that's the one you really want to watch. Okay, mine is a complete left turn here. It has nothing to Bring do it. with soccer. Let's go. Um, as as people who listened to the last episode know, and as Wes mentioned earlier in the episode, I was in Florida at the beach this week. So I got a little beach read. Uh, it's the number ones, 20 chart topping hits that reveal the history of pop music by Tom Brahan, I think is how you say his name. Um, he essentially started writing a, a mini story of every single number one billboard hit. Uh, I don't remember what outlet that was for, but he composed some of the uh, top ones uh into an, a book it's a very easy read i i you know i read 100 pages of it in in an hour sort of sort of read uh large print <laughs> and and uh but if you are into music and kind of some of the stories behind songs um from you know obvious stuff like beatles motown to a little bit more modern number one hits it's pretty interesting stuff i don't know i don't know how many readers we have who, who are interested in that but i don't care it's my podcast I think our people have eclectic <laughs> tastes and I'm looking right now at the description and, and you've got everything. It's music, it's music city. All, all you people probably already read it. You, you probably <laughs> like help write it or edit it or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. The good alliteration in the description from Motown to Michael Jackson. Yeah. Prince, Mariah Carey, Bruce Springsteen, Dylan, Beatles, Beach Boys. Um, yeah. There, there's no Tim McGraw on Faith Hill. It's your love, which was of course chop to- chart topping country hit uh, and, and not the hot 100, but I'll forgive it. Because that is the greatest <laughs> song of all time. Besides, can't say I'm familiar, nor will I familiarize I will, myself. <laughs> I will reward the good folks who've stuck around this long by not singing. <laughs> you've been around this long. We're not going to do that to you. We will encourage you on the way out, though, to once again rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And again, we'll, we'll remind you to do what, what we told you to do last week. Go to ML Rose. Eat a great burger or carnitas quesadilla or whatever you have. Have a beer. And as you're doing that, as you're thinking about us, go ahead and do two things. Tweet us a picture of your food because we are uh, we, we love it. We, we want all of it all the time, especially at 430 on a, on a Monday afternoon right now. But also go ahead and rate and, and perhaps even review the show. It would mean the world to us, but it's also the best way to make sure others are aware of what we do here and that the community is growing. We want it to continue to grow. So uh, we invite you to do that. We invite you to go to ML Rose and also listen to Moon Taxi as well. Thanks for, for their music at the beginning and the end of the show. Thanks to the 440 Sports Network. We'll talk to you soon.